It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Good morning, America. I'm Jay Christian Adams in this morning again for Sandy Rios. Thank you, Sandy, for having me. It's great for you to be here. I'm the president of the Public Interest Legal Foundation. You guys have probably heard me on guest hosting before. We're the nation's only election integrity public interest law firm. That's all we do. Also, President Trump appointed me to the United States Commission on Civil Rights Elections are my thing. We'll talk some today. I used to be at the Justice Department in the voting section there. And you could follow me on Twitter at electionlawctr, electionlawctr. And a whole lot is going on today. A lot of news over the weekend we'll get to. Also, later in the show, we're going to be joined by our friend Scott Walter of the Capital Research Center. Scott is the uh, expert on monitoring what is happening on the left with all of the various organizations and deep pockets that are affecting change across the United States. So Scott will be with us later this hour. We'd like to hear from you at 888-589-8840 if you'd like to call in. And some news over the weekend about vaccine mandates. Now remember, the Biden administration, when it came to vaccine mandates, is getting their tentacles into your life in many different ways. One of the ways they're doing it is by requiring all large employers to require a vaccine mandate, to require a vaccine. If you want to work at the company, any big company, then you have to be vaccinated. Now, you might ask, how on earth can they do this in America? Well, here's what the Biden administration will tell you that under OSHA, Occupational Safety and Health Administration, federal agency, government bureaucrats, under OSHA, the federal government can say, hey, it's not going to be a safe workplace if you don't have a vaccine mandate in place. It's like going to work where there's uranium or something, right? Uh, Or uh, uh, asbestos floating in the air. That's the theory. That's the theory that OSHA has authority. The federal government has authority because if you don't have everybody vaccinated, then then it's not safe. Now, there's no similar mandate for all the other contagious disease vaccinations like smallpox, measles, polio. Now, those aren't raging, are they? That might be one difference. But that's how the federal government is getting their talons into your life if you work at a large employer. Now, enter Ken Paxton, Texas Attorney General. If you want something good to happen, you call Ken Paxton because this guy's a fighter. He's a fighter of of the top shelf kind. And Ken Paxton, the Texas Attorney General, sued OSHA, sued OSHA 
to challenge this vaccine mandate. And some good news, depending on how you look at it. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, that's based in New Orleans, but it covers Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, Judges Kurt Engelhart, Edith Jones, and Stuart Kyle Duncan wrote a sharply worded 22-page opinion on this vaccine mandate, and here's what it says in one sentence. The federal government, the Biden administration, grossly exceeds OSHA's statutory authority. Now, let me translate that into real world and out of lawyer. That means that the Constitution doesn't give the federal government the power to do what they did with the vaccine mandates. That means OSHA abused their power. Abused their power. And a three-judge panel of the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals said so. And they left in place a stay, which means a stop, to the OSHA mandate in the lawsuit that Ken Paxton, Texas Attorney General, filed. Now, there's a couple lessons to be learned here. Number one, when you fight, you make a difference. Thank you, Ken Paxton. If you're in Texas, you are lucky because you have one of the best attorney generals in the entire United States. This guy knows how to fight. I can't say enough good things about Ken Paxton. The second thing it tells you is how important it is to have good federal judges. Now, I know because I follow Judge Kurt Engelhart. And Kurt Engelhart used to be on the district court, I think in New Orleans, meaning the lower trial court, not the appeals court. And he did some amazing things there. He stopped DOJ from abusing its power when it came to the prosecution of New Orleans police officers. And I covered that when that happened years ago. The abuse of power, the skullduggery, the illegality, the shenanigans that occurred in that prosecution of the police by Justice Department lawyers was astounding. Lying. Blogging. There were Justice Department lawyers in the criminal prosecution of the New Orleans police blogging about it with assumed, I'm sorry, as anonymous names. I mean... It was the most astounding abuse of power pretty much that I've seen, and I've seen a lot of power abused. So Edith Jones, another one of the judges on the Fifth Circuit, solid. you got to remember, elections have consequences. And Judge Keith Engelhart would not have been on the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals if President Trump hadn't been the President of the United States. These things matter. They all fit together. So the vaccine mandate has been blocked for now. The judges have ruled that the OSHA mandate exceeds authority. Now, don't get your hopes up too high because this particular vaccine mandate is only one small piece of a much bigger vaccine mandate puzzle. As I told you guys when I hosted for Sandy uh, about two weeks ago, I'm a commissioner on the United States Commission on Civil Rights. It's like a part-time thing. I'm one of eight commissioners in the United States. I was appointed by the president. And my term will actually run through 2025. I, I will probably be the last Trump appointee in the federal government in 2025 because they're purging out all the others. But in my particular instance, President Reagan fired all the civil rights commissioners. So Congress went and passed a law that said the president can't fire anybody unless they like, you know, set off explosives or things like that. It doesn't literally say set off explosives. You get the point. So. 
we have this other vaccine mandate that applies to federal people like me. I have a vaccine mandate. All federal employees, all military, all federal contractors have a vaccine mandate. Now, there's a religious exception. Boy, you should see that form. Oh, boy. That's some kind of form to fill out. When you want a religious exception as a federal employee, you have quite a form to fill out. How often do you go to church? They don't ask what hymns are sung, but that might be on the next form. But they want to know everything about your theology, your beliefs, before they'll give you a religious exception. It's a deep dive. A deep dive. And frankly, they're really looking for ways to just deny your religious exception for the vaccine mandate. So what happens next? Well, that will work its way through the court system. There's lots of cases out there right now working their way through the system. And the question really is, does the federal government have the power to mandate that people get a vaccine? And as I said a couple of weeks ago when I suffered Sandy, no one's answered me yet. Find me the provision of the Constitution, please. Find me the provision of the Constitution that gave the federal government in 1787 the power to impose medical treatment. The power to force you to get a vaccine. Where in the Constitution does it say this? Brief history lesson. Forgive me, I can't help it when I come on with Sandy. The king used to have this power, basically. The king could order your orchards cut down because of a blight. The king could confine you to your house and have the sheriff of Nottingham come and put a big queue on your door that says quarantine. You aren't allowed to leave under penalty of law. The king had those powers. And in the Constitution, where did those powers go? They went somewhere. They went to the states. The states have the power to do these sorts of things. The states have the power to enforce vaccine mandates in a way the federal government does not. In fact, the federal government doesn't have any power when it comes to vaccines. There's nothing in the Constitution, there's the answer, there's nothing in the Constitution that says that the federal government can impose vaccines on people. It doesn't exist. It's an overreach. Judge Engelhardt on the Fifth Circuit and Edith Jones are correct. And that Ken Paxton's lawsuit challenging the Biden administration is a good one and will hopefully win in the end, because so far it's winning. What do you have to say about vaccine mandates? Are you affected by them? one 589 I'm Jay Christian Adams, in for Sandy Rios today. And all of this is having a political effect, by the way. There's a political fallout to this, and ABC News poll this weekend shows it. This is unbelievable. If the midterm elections were held today, 51% of voters say they'd support the Republican and 41 say the Democrat. Now, you might say, okay, well, okay, that's, we hear this all the time, these congressional polls. Uh-uh, listen up. That is the largest lead for Republicans in this ABC Post poll that has asked this question since, get ready, November 1981. 1981. Now, my math is not so good, but that's 40 years. That's four decades. That's bigger than 1994. 
isn't it? 1981, biggest lead for Republicans. Democrats are getting crushed because Democrats are intruding on the freedoms of the American people. That's what it boils down to. Americans still value freedom. And when they get told they can't go to work unless they get a vaccine, ah, wait a minute here. That's like saying you can't drive around listening to your radio or you're not allowed to go to church. Oh, wait, I heard that one in the last couple of years. They've gone there, haven't they? <laughs> so freedom is a precious thing in our culture. Now, I know there's people out there trying to stamp it out, trying to make you hate freedom. Ooh, all the young little millennials and their socialist tendencies. I get that. Or don't go on campus and say the wrong thing. I get that. They're out there. But by and large, Americans still love freedom. They still love truth. want to hear from you, 1-888-589-8840. I'll tell you what, it, it's an amazing thing when you th- see things unravel. Washington Post over the weekend changed all their Russian dossier reporting about President Trump. They went back and they fixed all of the lies. Oh, yes. We were subjected to these lies, of course, posing as truth and Department of Justice investigations for the first two or three years of the presidency of President Trump. But now the Washington Post over the weekend went back, snuck in and deleted things, changed stories. Yeah, that's right. That's how it happens. You guys say someone needs to be held accountable. This is as good as you're going to get for the Washington Post to go back and change stories on the Russian dossier is as good as you're going to get. It doesn't happen very often. They tried to do it like on a Friday afternoon, but they did it. The newspaper's executive editor said the Post can no longer stand by the accuracy of those stories. Oh, boy. Coming up soon, next, Scott Walter. Scott Walter is the president of the Capital Research Center. He knows about something that happened in the 2020 election that you might not know, but you need to know. Because I think it's the absolute biggest story of the 2020 election. Scott Walter will be joining us next. I'm Jay Christian Adams, subbing for Sandy Rios on American Family Radio. After a series of health issues, this mom felt abortion was the only answer. Was still borderline thinking abortion until the little part at the bottom of the ultrasound started moving, and we realized there were two. And I knew then. The Ministry of Preborn is there for moms in crisis, offering free ultrasounds and the gospel in action. At just 11 weeks old, these twins cried out for life through ultrasound. Preborn clinics are the largest providers of free ultrasounds in the USA, introducing moms to their preborn babies and helping them choose life. To find out more, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Your love can save a life. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Rob Chapman 
Acting Director at the U.S. Department of Justice in the Office of Community-Oriented Policing Services. He oversees training and technical assistance and manages resources and publications portfolios. 1 John chapter 3, verse 4 reminds us of the importance of law and order. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Right now with this in mind, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask for guidance for Rob Chapman and his role at the Department of Justice. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. This fall, Liberty University is celebrating 50 years of training champions for Christ. Since 1971, Liberty has been training Christ-centered men and women with the values, knowledge, and skills essential for impacting the world, a vision that continues today. The story of Liberty University is one of unwavering faith, and we invite you to be part of the next chapter. With more than 700 programs online and on campus, Liberty can help you turn your vision into a future you can be proud of. Visit liberty.edu to learn more. Again, that's liberty.edu. A prominent Canadian cardiologist who shamed people into getting the China virus vaccine has died. Dr. Sorab Luchmedial went to bed on November 8th and did not wake up, his death coming just two weeks after getting his third dose of the vaccine. He was just 52. He made national headlines by announcing he would not cry at the funeral for a selfish, unvaccinated person. Something very weird is happening across the world, ladies and gentlemen. Healthy people suddenly dropping dead or becoming very sick after getting the China virus vaccine. Minnesota Vikings player Dakota Dozier was rushed to the hospital with undisclosed symptoms after he was fully vaccinated. Now, the government refuses to acknowledge there's a problem, and the media refuses to report the story. And why is that? Well, I suspect if the average American knew just how dangerous the vaccine could be, they might just have second thoughts about getting the jab. But we're not supposed to say that. I'm Todd Starnes. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Good morning, America. Christian Adams in for Sandy Rios this morning. Thanks for joining us. Our number is 1-88-589-8840. We're going to be joined in just a moment by Scott Walter, who has a story to tell. We were talking briefly about the vaccine mandate, and I promise to get to your calls. We'll get to more of them in the next segment. But I want to talk to you, Sherry, real quick. Tell me, you're a federal contractor or employed by one? I am employed by a federal contractor, yes. And you have so, to get vaccinated, correct? Well, they say I do. When Joe Biden's original executive order, uh, abiding to that, our CFO said, if you don't get the shot, according to Joe Biden's rules, you're going to be terminated. And they adopted a policy for the company also um, that that outlined that. And and so I immediately filed a religious exemption. Haven't heard back from it. Yeah, you'll probably hear back in like uh, five years after uh, after they have time to go talk to your pastor. Yeah, that's the story of the world, isn't it? That you have to oblige their uh, policies or else you're in trouble. What I want to turn to now is a pretty amazing story. Let's pretend for a minute that you decide you have come in, you hit the lottery. Let's put it that way. You have $40 million. And 
what you notice is all the police, the state troopers with radar on your drive to work every day, or we'll say the sheriff, and you decide to take some of your new winnings, let's say five or six million dollars, and make a donation to the sheriff's department. Well, by the way, you are allowed to do that. You may not have known this. You're allowed to give money to the government. Nobody does it because it's stupid. But you're allowed to do it. And so you give the sheriff's office $5 million. And you start to say to the sheriff, you know, uh, I think you ought to do certain things with how you do policing. And you actually give them a list, right? And say, you have to do this in order to get my $5 million. And the sheriff says, thank you so much. And starts to implement all of the conditions of your gift. And of course, you don't like all those radar guns on your drive to work. Folks, what I just described is both legal, because I didn't say there was a quid pro quo. I didn't say that you said you had to stop monitoring your drive to work. The radar guns have to go. You didn't say that. What I just described to you is legal. And what I just described to you is the biggest story of the 2020 election. Now, a lot of us were focused on machines and Krakens and you know connections to the internet and Italian satellites. What I'm trying to tell you is what I just described is what happened in the 2020 election. And Scott Walter is joining us now from the Capital Research Center to tell us more about an organization I hope you've heard of called the Center for Technology and Civic Life, otherwise known as Zuckbucks. Good morning, Scott. How are you? Great, Kristen. So, Scott, you have been monitoring the saga that I just described in a different context, because that's not really what happened. Nobody made a $5 million donation to the sheriff's office, did they? No. (laughs) Nope. They made uh, Zuckerberg uh, and his wife made a about a $350 million donation uh, to the Center for Tech and Civic Life that you just mentioned. And when you say Zuckerberg, you mean Facebook Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg. That's right. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg uh, and his wife uh, gave hundreds of millions of dollars uh, into the, literally into the local election offices uh, in the 2020 election, just like you mentioned, the, you know, your local sheriff. Right. And people out there listening might say, well, what difference does that make? And uh, it makes a big difference. I could lead you to Philadelphia, but go wherever you want to go on how this works. And ultimately, I want you to talk about your turnout data that you guys have have developed to show how what we're talking about, folks, was the difference in the 2020 election was the difference. So what did you find, Scott, like happened in cities across the country? Well, the. um uh, we have at uh, capitalresearch.org, you can find state-by-state reports on Zuckerberg's money and what it did for all of the battleground states. Pennsylvania, like you just mentioned, Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, Michigan, Wisconsin. Uh, but for all those different battleground states, it's really three simple things. First of all, uh, you can see that the money went disproportionately to Democratic jurisdictions, especially the big cities. Uh, now, they claim that was just happenstance, but, you know, it, 
state after state after state. Funny how that worked. The second of the three points that you find every time is that the Democratic votes in the funded jurisdictions, like Philadelphia, like Atlanta, like Milwaukee, the um, Democrat votes in those jurisdictions that were funded surged much more than the Democrat votes in unfunded jurisdictions. And lastly, the margin produced in those funded jurisdictions is always larger and sometimes wildly larger than the entire state's official margin of victory. And that's one of the most important parts of the story, folks, is uh, it's like they turned a big giant spigot on of votes in places like Philadelphia, Madison, Detroit, Milwaukee, Atlanta, Phoenix. And they cranked the spigot open the whole way. And you might say, well, what what did they do with this money? Scott, they did things, didn't they, like buy radio ads on urban and Spanish radio in Philadelphia. The election offices turned into a get-out-the-vote machine. They they did things like go to door-to-door. They hired employees to go door-to-door, city employees to go collect votes. And, of course, all those city employees came from the activist organizations. Uh, they, they stepped into the government to do this. And so the important thing that Scott said is that the margin of victory in these urban cores, because of this money, was bigger what made the statewide margin of victory in places like Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona, and Georgia. Isn't that, is not that a fair summary, Scott? That is, that's exactly right. Um, and if you like, uh, I can give you a few, of the, a few of those good examples. Oh, yes. Uh, so in, in Pennsylvania, okay, now, and for all these things, so folks understand, making, we're going to make a simple comparison. We're going to look at the presidential vote in 2020 versus the presidential vote in 2016. So uh, in Pennsylvania, the, in the funded jurisdictions of Pennsylvania, the Republicans did well in 2020. They were up 266,000 votes in the, in the funded part of Pennsylvania, 266,000. But you know what? The Democrats were up 460,000. So the difference in those funded jurisdictions is a 194,000 vote margin for Democrats. But what was the statewide margin in Pennsylvania? Just 81,000. So 194 in Zucked counties, 81,000 for the whole state, more than double. And a lot of people might be tempted to, uh, to say, well, but that was because the machines were manipulated by, you know, Internet connections from Colombia or Venezuela, isn't it? That wasn't. And, and what I'm trying to emphasize is you don't need to tinker with machines when you have a $450 million ground game in place using unconventional funding streams into municipal government election offices. You can do this with get out the vote, can't you? That, that's exactly right. And to follow up on your original analogy of going to the sheriff and saying, you know, I'm going to give you some money. And of course, you're not going to want to be doing radar along, you know, I-81 or whatever. Well, we have the contracts for Philadelphia, for instance, 
um, because this, the Center for Tech and Civic Life that had the Zuckbucks, they didn't just say to Philadelphia, oh, you want $10 million, $15 million? Sure, here you go. No. First, they negotiated a contract, and the contract specified things like you will have foreign language ads, you will have drop boxes, you know, every couple of blocks, etc. They did have strings attached to them, uh, and that, too, made a big difference. Uh, so you're right that they were doing massive turnout in these places. Now, obviously, I have no idea for certain uh, whether there was cheating in some of these big cities. I mean, admittedly, they're very corrupt. They're very incompetent. Wouldn't shock me. But I don't make I don't have to make any claim of that in order to be able to say with certainty that Zuckerberg made a massive difference. And it's a complete outrage to have one billionaire taking over the operation of election offices. Right. And folks, I want to emphasize something Scott just said. These are incredibly brilliant people. Okay, I am in awe of their diabolical brilliance. And they could look at the systems, they could look at our structure of running an election and find vulnerabilities, loopholes, niches, opportunities to exploit. And they did it. By golly, they did it. They found a way to put private money into election offices to do things that the law never contemplated. I didn't say prohibited. I said never contemplated. There's a difference. To crank in so much money. They doubled the budget. They doubled the budget of the Philadelphia election office. More than doubled it, actually. And they bought employees. They bought ground game. They brought drop boxes like Scott talked about. And they fundamentally transformed how municipal election offices run. And they essentially sent out city employees vote harvesters. Now, you might be asking right now, because of how outrageous this is, this is illegal, right? This is totally against the law, right? And Scott, that's not such an easy answer, is it? No, the, the amazing thing uh, is that virtually nowhere does a state make it illegal, I should say did at, at the time, a state make it illegal for somebody to hand money over to local election offices because it was undreamt of. Nobody imagined this would ever happen. So they didn't even have laws against it. Now, I'm proud to say that there are some states now, roughly a dozen, who have put various restrictions on this kind of thing, um, sometimes in, uh, in states where I've testified. But uh, it's, it's just such a, a flagrant, um, uh, astonishing innovation, shall we say, as you put it, uh, that uh, it, it was not illegal at the time. Um, now, the irony... Christian, of course, is that it was left-wingers doing this. So these are people who think that privatizing trash collection is, you know, a cosmic injustice and horror. Um, and yet one billionaire privatizing election is perfectly fine with them. We're talking with Scott Walter, President Capital Research Center. Scott has been monitoring the Zuckbucks phenomenon since the beginning, Scott. I mean, you and I and, and Hans von Spakovsky saw these uh, sprouts come up uh, in March of 2020, and we knew that this was going to be 
a very dangerous thing to have half a billion dollars uh, flooding into election offices. And then on top of that, Congress passed $400 million. So you're approaching a billion dollars to fundamentally transform how elections were being run in 2020. And it made a difference, didn't it? There were places, uh, even in red states, that flipped, Scott, I think we found in, in some counties and places, uh, even in red states. May have lost Scott there. Still with us, Scott? Okay. Look, yeah, I think we've lost Scott. That's unfortunate. Um, uh, Scott Walter, Capital Research Center, talking about Zuck Bucks. Uh, they, they, uh, they really were a game changer, folks. And basically, here's how it worked. Billionaires gave private, elect, uh, private money to government election offices to totally change how we ran the 2020 election. And to turn these offices in Philadelphia, Detroit, Lansing, Milwaukee, Atlanta, into turnout machines, into turnout machines. They had money to do things in Atlanta and Philadelphia, in the government office, that did not exist anywhere else in the country, and certainly not in red counties, okay? Now, Glenn Youngkin kind of flipped this script. He didn't use government money, but the governor-elect of Virginia turned rural counties in Virginia to turnout machines, and that's how he won. So it can go both ways, but the difference is when the Democrats did it in 2020, they used private money to go into election offices. So I'm Jay Christian Adams. I'm in for Sandy Rios today. Lots more to talk about. The vaccine mandates. Oh, what a blow. What a blow they got from the Fifth Circuit over the weekend. With a great opinion that says that OSHA's power is limited. That the government does not have the power to require every large employer in the country to issue a vaccine mandate. Now, that's a stay. The case isn't over with. It's just a stay. But it's good news. Want to hear from you. Are you subject to a vaccine mandate? Are you a federal employee that has to get vaccinated? My name is Jay Christian Adams. I'm in for Sandy Rios this morning. Thank you so much for having me, Sandy. And thank you so much for joining this morning. We'll be back with your calls next at 1-888-589-8840. If you're on the line, please hang on. We'll be getting to you after this on American Family Radio. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA aims to evangelize the lost and disciple the believer. AFA aims to strengthen biblical marriages and equip parents to raise godly children. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. Washington Watch advances a culture where human life is valued and religious liberty thrives. Hello, this is Tony Perkins, host of Washington Watch, right here on the American Family Radio Network, inviting you to join us each weekend for the weekend edition of Washington Watch for the latest from our nation's capital on what is happening as it pertains to faith, family, and freedom. You'll hear from policymakers, congressional leaders, and others each day, 4 p.m. Central Time. Be there. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. 
My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. We live in an era currently where spirituality is in vogue. Christ following is not. Some even claim to love Jesus while simultaneously rebelling against his word and encouraging others to rebel similarly. But Jesus said it himself, If you love me, you will obey me. Whoever does not love me does not obey my words. Make no mistake about it. To love Jesus is to obey him. You cannot love Jesus and disobey him. If you're living in open rebellion against Jesus' word, you're not following Jesus as he's revealed himself in Scripture. You're following a God you've created. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. A vacation with a purpose. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. That's what some of our folks have called our spiritual heritage tours, which we're going to be doing again in 2022. Let me tell you what we do. We go on a trip to Williamsburg, Jamestown, and Yorktown. We see early American history there. And then we go to Washington, D.C. and George Washington's Mount Vernon on a separate tour. We do these in June and September. They're perfect weather months in that part of the country. Stephen McDowell, who is a historian and author of America's Providential History, he will be our expert on the trip. So we'll have a historian joining us on these tours. It's going to be a wonderful time together in our nation's capital and in Colonial Williamsburg in 2022, June and September. If you want to go, go to the website spiritualheritagetours.com, spiritualheritagetours.com. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Sam Faddis is a brilliant veteran CIA spy whose life used to depend on his skill in compromising strategically placed individuals to advance our country's interests and discerning when enemies do it to harm them. When he says Joe Biden is the Manchurian president, it's bankable. Unfortunately, Mr. Biden is poised to meet virtually with Chinese dictator Xi Jinping. Xi long ago took the measure of his American interlocutor and knows him and his team to be weak, deeply compromised by China, and willing to do its bidding. So, if their meeting results in the unilateral abandonment of tariffs on the PRC, more transfers of our sensitive technology, and perhaps a deterrence-eroding shift in U.S. nuclear use policy, it will not only further empower and embolden the most dangerous enemy we've ever faced— we will know that Joe Biden is betraying America. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Good morning, America. I'm Jay Christian Adams in for Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. It's great to have you with us today. Thank you for listening. Talking about the vaccine mandate and the blow that the Biden administration suffered the last day or two from the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, which is a very big and important federal court that oversees Texas, Mississippi, and Louisiana, and a three-judge panel there kept in place a stay blocking the vaccine mandate on large employers. It was a case brought by Ken Paxton, who deserves a great deal of credit for bringing this case to Texas Attorney General. Thank you, Attorney General Paxton, for challenging this. You can always count on that attorney general to to fight back against Washington. And that doesn't mean we're out of the woods. If you're a federal employee, and I know federal employees, I'm on the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights and 
and all the employees there, including me, have to get vaccinated. I'm not really a full-time federal employee, but I, I do that as a presidential appointee. But I still have to get vaccinated. I already had been, so it didn't really matter to me. But it matters to a lot of people who, who don't want to be told what to do. And we're taking your calls at one 589 And I wonder, does this apply to the Naval Academy, the Air Force Academy, the Coast Guard Academy, West Point. Kimberly, you're in Virginia. How are you doing this morning, Kimberly? Uh, suffering from allergies, so my voice is a bit shaky, so uh, I apologize well, for that. I'll have to send you some of my honey. You know, I, I keep bees, and and uh, if you have allergies, the cured allergies is uh, a little bit of local honey. It has to be local. Okay, this sounds great. Okay. I was so what do you have to say this morning, morning Kimberly? I want to tell you about my daughter's plight. My daughter worked very, very hard and was accepted into the Air Force, um, the U.S. Air Force Academy's preparatory school a year and a half ago. And she went through the basic training and she went through an entire year of studies, intense studies, getting her ready for the Air Force Academy appointment that she may or may not have gotten at the end of that preparatory time out in Colorado. She w- she took off during the middle of a pandemic, not sure at 17 as a new pilot. She was a private pilot when she left. Not sure if her flight would and her dream was going to actually play out. But she had a goal, and her goal in mind was to represent the United States in the Air Force and fly fighter pilot uh, jets. And so her plan was to to uh, serve her country and protect freedom around the world. And she arrived there and discovered that in the land of the free, she became entrapped and uh, actually um, confined. Her freedom was definitely taken from her. And... So well, what happened? Determined. What what when you say it was taken from her? I'm, I'm tell me what you mean. Okay. Well, um, first of all, the as everything else in this country was shut down, so were the academies. They were completely confined to their space that they were uh, from their dorm rooms to their classrooms, and all of the training that they would normally get on a weekend by being able to go off to uh, various locations to uh, be exposed to, to training with uh, aircraft, they, they were unable to do. Do you know, do you know Kimberly, whether uh, Service Academy uh, students have to be vaccinated per the federal mandate? Well, she got her appointment to the Air Force Academy. She took off she was home for five weeks from the uh, preparatory school graduation where she was top in her class. She took off and went back to the academy and um, at the beginning of September received a very uh, odd, if you will, piece of paper that everyone claimed to be an order. This supposed order had no date. It right. had no cadet name and it had no commanding officer with rank signature on it do you know if they had a vaccine mandate like do did they have to get a did they get something that says you have to get vaccinated 
that's what this piece of paper was all about. It was a vaccine mandate for the Air Force Academy cadets, yes. Okay. And the requirement so, was to have this done and be fully vaccinated by November the 2nd. Which I guess was a couple of weeks ago. Yes, sir. Right. It's very similar to the federal mandate that I saw uh, that came through to all the Civil Rights Commission employees that said you had a deadline. And then there was an interesting sliding scale, if you will, <laughs> like, uh, well, if you don't do it by then, you're going to have two weeks of probation. And after that, you'll be on double probation. And, and, and it really never uh, it never really told you that you were going to be fired, but it sure said that you could, which, by the way, by the way, firing a federal employee is like the hardest thing in the world to do. I'm like more likely to make the Olympic weightlifting team than to get some of the employees that I used to work with at the Justice Department fired for what they did. Oh, and let me count the ways. There were employees of the Justice Department who lied under oath, committed perjury in inspector general investigations, not fired. There was employees that I worked with right across the hall, as a matter of fact, who stole laptops and used their federal government credit card to go fly to visit their mistress in Miami. Google Washington Times... Justice Department employee, Daryl, laptop mistress. And you could read the story. Was this federal employee fired? No. He was given a retirement buyout. So here we have perjury, theft, misuse of federal money, not fired. Not getting vaccine, fired. Welcome to America in 2020. So we know service academies, federal employees, large employers. Let's wonder about federal contractors. Laura's in Oklahoma. Good morning, Laura. You're on American Family Radio. Are federal contractors subject to the vaccine mandate? So I am actually technically not a federal contractor. I work on a military base for a company that has a 50-year contract with the military. And we've all been waiting on pins and needles because we suspect it's going to come down the pike. Um, there's plenty of us that are not taking the vaccine or the shot or whatever you want to call it. Um, they did a couple of months ago tell us that if we would show our vaccination card, then we would be free from having to wear our mask at work. And then right after a few people showed their vaccination card, they reinstituted the mask mandate. Um, because they said of the variant. And so um, I've got several people at my office um, and, and the company, and we don't have 100 employees where I'm at, which is interesting. We, we don't have that many people. But um, we're right. waiting to see what they're going to do because typically the, um, the, um, the um, company follows whatever rules and explanations that the military puts out. So if the military says you have to do that, then they almost always follow suit. And I'm telling you, I can't do it. And so we're all on pins and needles waiting to find out what's going to happen. Right. Well, I was in a store yesterday. I, I think I might've been the only uh, person not wearing a mask in, in suburban Washington, Virginia. And it, it's an amazing thing when you see like seven-year-olds running around with masks 
Um, but yet their parents were like giving them devices. It was quite an interesting contrast to see them playing on video games, wearing a mask, but that's a whole nother story. Uh, and so, you know, I get it. I, I see what you're talking about, about masks. And, and I'm usually, or quite often, I should say, the only person in a given store around Washington not wearing a mask or one of a small minority. Kind of like the unmasked, we see each other and kind of wink and like, okay, so it's you and I, guy. We're the ones without the masks here. When you drive around Washington, like even in uh, Virginia, you actually see people walking on walks by themselves outside wearing masks. A lot of them. It's not just one person. Okay. For those of you out in the real world, recognize this is going on. Recognize that there's a whole bunch of people that think you should be masked all the time. And oftentimes they're federal employees. Kim, you're in Louisiana. What do you have to say on American Family Radio this morning? You're on with Jay Christian Adams in for Sandy Rios. Yes, I uh, work on a military base uh, in Bossier City, Louisiana. I contract through a company that contracts to the base. So I'm kind of like Laura. I'm not a federal contractor per se, but we have been mandated to get it by December the 8th. And if we don't, then we no longer have a job. So I will no longer have a job December the 8th. Right. That's that's a little bit later than uh, the federal deadline, but not by much to make any kind of difference. It's uh, quite a Christmas present, Kim. Um, you know, it, yeah, it's and just a tr- I don't, I have not, I have not filed for any exemptions because I don't feel like I should have to. If I don't want to get it, I shouldn't have to get it, and I shouldn't have to file exemptions to get it because I don't qualify for them. Right. Well, that's see, a religious exemption is, for example, uh, probably the easiest way to not get it, and you just don't want to file for it, so. Um, you're sort of itching. I don't for, want to use uh, that. Right, right. Well, good luck. I, I, I will tell you that I do not envy any of your positions uh, with this mandate. I will, as you, as I've said before on the show, I'm vaccinated. Right, I got vaccinated in Mar- May just from personal experience. I know a lot of you don't want to be. I respect that, but it was it was one of the most liberating days of my life because I'm finally I'm done with this garbage. Uh, and I can walk around and not have a mask, and, and it's just very, very liberating. Uh, and I know a lot of people don't want to do it. And the federal government is telling you you have to do it if you're a federal employee, a federal contractor in the military, and all of those various uh, times you work for a large employer, which involves many, many, many people out there working for companies that are large. Not everybody runs a restaurant, right? Or does a lawn care business. So if your works for a large company, the OSHA rules say that it, you need to have vaccines for a safe workplace. And that's what the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals just kept the stay in place in the case in Texas that Ken Paxson brought. I'm Christian Adams, you're on American Family Radio. Dan, good morning. You're in Louisiana. What do you have to say today? Hey, good morning, Christian. Um, I want to let you know, you know, we're down here in Louisiana. I work predominantly in the oil and gas uh, petrochemical industry. And uh, the blanket of what this mandate would cover, it would cover 100% of everyone under OSHA. Um, there are folks who, you know, they went out and got vaccinated. That's what they want to do. That's how they, they, they want to feel safe. And, and there's no issues with that. I'm not against vaccines. 
but there are those who, you know, don't want to. And now uh, they're on a line where it says that if you don't and you work for a company, which a lot of companies in the oil and gas industry uh, are 100 people or more, uh, you would have to have this uh, vaccine. Uh, here, you know, I work with a, a, a non-profit group called the Industry of Faith Louisiana. Uh, we had just had a job fair back in October where we sold out of booths for people to, who were coming in looking for employees. We're having a hard enough time finding people to work now uh, with this mandate uh, for the like the state of Louisiana. It would be crippling uh, to, to the, the industry, which is the largest moneymaker for our state. So I just was kind of wanting to comment on that. And Dan, you point out, uh, you point out a whole new topic we didn't even discuss, and that's the impact of these mandates on the economy, right? You can't get certain stuff. You can't find things, including employees. I drive all over the country and I see signs everywhere in places you won't expect desperate for workers. Now, there's a whole lot of reasons why that's happening. But I paid $4.59 for gas the other day. It felt like the 1970s. A new ABBA album is out. America is weak. We have a dithering president of the United States. I thought I was back in 1979. It's an awful time, and this government is making it worse. It's making it worse in new and insidious ways. I'm Jay Christian Adams. I'm in for Sandy Rios today, tomorrow, and Wednesday. Thank you so much for joining me in this last hour. It's been great. Have a great day. Talk to you tomorrow. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.